Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. The fourth and final Republican presidential debate before the Iowa caucuses took place last night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Nikki Haley thanked the boys, Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, for their attention. The boys do indeed seem to be somewhat intimidated by the former South Carolina governor, who, in the words of the New York Times, is having a moment. For me, and for what it's worth, I'm in the camp of observers who thought Haley's performance last night was actually her weakest debate outing to date, but it was by no means fatal. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie had a strong showing, according to those in the party who are worried about another Trump term. Christie challenged his colleagues to declare Donald Trump unfit for the presidency, and they declined. Reproductive rights didn't come up, which was weird in all sorts of ways, not the least of which was the fact that all the moderators were women. They didn't talk about climate change either. If Nikki Haley is indeed having a moment, there's no doubt that Donald Trump is still having his way with the Republican Party. He's still way ahead, and it's unlikely that last night's event will change that with just 40 days left before actual voting begins. Here on Midday, we will be jumping into the 2024 elections with two feet next month when our series of conversations with the candidates resumes. I'll speak with candidates for Baltimore mayor and city council president, the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate in the run-up to the May 14th primary. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about movies. Jed Dietz, the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival here for Midday at the Movies. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Good to be here. Jed is in Studio A with me. And Anne Hornaday, the author of Talking Pictures, How to Watch Movies, is joining us on our digital line from Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, Anne. Hello, Tom. So, listeners, I want you to know that Anne, as a staff writer for The Washington Post, is participating today in a 24-hour walkout in support of the newspaper guild's ongoing negotiations with the Washington Post. The Guild is encouraging people not to engage with the Post's website today. So if you want to support the Guild and check out Ann's work or any other Post staffer's work, the union is encouraging you to do that tomorrow. You are welcome to join us today here on Midday at the Movies. We'd love to hear your thoughts about what you'll be seeing during this holiday season. 410-662-8780, our email midday at WIPR.org. So, Jed and this is uh, my favorite time of year for a number of reasons, uh, mm-hmm. not the least of which is that each December we get to debate the merits of, <laughs> I think, the finest motion picture ever created, <laughs> Love Actually. Um, oh. And so this year, what I'm, what I'm doing to make my case, which is, uh, you know, undoubtedly the correct case, which I think it's a fantastic movie, you guys think... It's terrible. Uh, we, we should just establish that. Um, that this was written about in the New York Times in the same breath as the movie Elf with Will Ferrell. <laughs> so they talk about Elf and Love, actually. Right. So, I mean, sure. I, would I'll, I have preferred they did Citizen Kane and <laughs> Love, actually? Perhaps. Perhaps. But yeah. they didn't. But it's Elf and Love, actually, the two greatest holiday movies uh, ever made. So, so Jed, once, once again, why don't we give you a chance to, to make the incredibly weak case that Love actually isn't worth your time. And listeners, I want to hear from you, too. 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at 
org. Are you a plebeian communist who thinks Love Actually isn't a good movie, or are you one of the smart people who want gets to sit at the cool kids' table? So, Jed, Love Actually, you're not going to be watching it this holiday season. My Lord, why? Well, as you often do with these, your great research in the way you ask these questions, I think we can rest our case, Anne and I. Right? I, think, I think you, you just Elf and Love Actually. I, I will say, to defense of the movie, I think the cast is really extraordinary, and there are things in it that I like a lot. You know, as as even basic romantic comedies, I would pick some other ones, but it's so it's not quite the dire argument you're making it out to be. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate you starting by just conceding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, you know, and if a movie has Snowflakes, famous <laughs> actors, and people holding signs saying, to me, you are perfect. Uh, is there anything else that a movie needs? I mean, you wrote a whole book about this. So is there anything else that a movie actually needs? I mean, I'm just maybe, you know, maybe lack of contrivance, lack, you know, I mean, the, the smarminess. And frankly... Love actually is so lucky to be mentioned in the same breath as Elf because Elf is a genuine Christmas classic. I mean, that is a brilliant comedy with Will Ferrell and Ed Asner, Bob Newhart. I mean, it does not get any better than Elf. So, I mean, Love actually should be counting all of its blessings on every one of those signs that it's even, you know, in this considered to be in that same league by some people who are blinkered but you know um <laughs> given a free pass because blinkered of we are is that peace, it peace on earth goodwill to well let to me everyone. tell you and i've been called a lot worse than blinkered <laughs> so i'll take it believe me i'll take it all okay. right so listeners we'd love to hear what you are in fact going to be watching over the holiday season whether it's new or old sometimes you have the old favorites and this is the turn the exact time of year that it's fun to you know uh, stream it stick in the old DVD to think of the, to see if the DVD player in your house still works. Four one zero six six two eight seven eight zero. What are you watching? Midday at wipr.org is our email address. So, Anne, I know one of your favorite movies uh, is Parenthood. Um, this oh, is from nineteen eighty nine, yes. uh, and we have a clip from Parenthood. This is Steve Martin and Jason Robards, um, and this is a little soliloquy by Jason Robards who plays a father uh, of Steve Martin who's, um, who's having, a, having a rough day. And, you know, it's not like that all ends when you're 18 or 21 or 41 or 61. It never, never ends. It's like your Aunt Edna's ass. It goes on forever and it's just as frightening. It's true. There is no end zone. You never cross the goal line, spike the ball, and do your touchdown day. So there's Jason Robards, the father, talking to Steve Martin, his son, about another child that uh, Jason Robards has in the movie. So um, it was having a tough time, and here he is as a father. This is an adult uh, guy who, you know, he, I guess he was thinking, uh, does it ever get easier? And, you know, anybody who's a parent knows that, you know, that's, no. that is the case. It does not get easier. I, I always, you know, chuckle when 
people with two and three year olds say, "Oh my gosh, you know the terrible twos and stuff." I'm saying, "Don't worry about that. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing until you've seen sixteen, you know, or twenty four. Um, but Anne, um, this movie really, really resonates with you. How come? Well, you know, I had occasion, Tom, to to think about this movie recently because I did a story, which I hope people will read tomorrow on the Washington Post website, um, about generational touchstones. And and what, my question going in was, are are there such things anymore? You know, can movies have that cultural resonance? And I think they can. I think we saw that with things like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Certainly this year with Barbenheimer, you know, people do flock to films still as a collective experience. Um, but I'm thinking about those movies that really did reflect the generations, things like The Graduate, um, things like Five Easy Pieces or, um, you know, Reality Bites for Gen X. And what this then sent me down this kind of personal rabbit hole of those movies that resonated, that were really deeply personal generational touchstones for me. Um and I, you know, this they might not be as well known as those titles, but for whatever reason, they just sort of captured me at that moment, and I saw myself in them in some way, and they've always stuck with me. And I think the one, the chief among them is this movie Parenthood, that this beautiful comedy directed by Ron Howard with Steve Martin, Jason Robards, Mary Steenburgen, Diane Weist, a very young Joaquin Phoenix, the great Martha Plimpton. I mean, just this wonderful cast about this flawed extended family all of whom are just trying to get through it and trying to make sense of again parenthood and being a kid and being a mom and being a dad and being married and making choices and it just has held up so beautifully it was made in 1989 but you know it it just is so timely and on point even for today and um yeah it's just it's just a be in that speech you just that we just heard is a case in point. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant and funny. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just to add to that, that's a fantastic clip. But uh, it follows a scene with another one of his sons, played by Tom Holtz, that is one of the most powerful scenes, father to son, you're going to see. Um, and so it's the, it's another parenthood moment, another diff, completely different kind of parenthood moment that I think put the grandfather, Jason Robard's character, into this mode of it never ends. You know, you just yeah. you, you're you're always trying to be a great parent. Yeah. And once no, a parent, always a parent. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh and if you were here in the with us in the studio, you're not today as it turns out, but if you were here you would see that I'm holding up a sign that says to me you are absolutely perfect and you, for you and Jed. So I just, oh, no. I just want so you to got know. Me. There you Here go. come the waterworks. Yes, that's right. Here comes the waterworks. Uh, let's go to Mo, who's on the line in Baltimore, wants to talk, I hope, about Love Actually. So, Mo, what do you think? Is Love Actually a fantastic movie uh, or not? It's up to you. Um, I'm going to go with it's absolutely terrible. Yay, Mo! <laughs> um <laughs> I think that, you know, it's true there's a stellar cast, but as we know by movies like Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve, having a big-name stellar cast doesn't necessarily make the movie a good one. Um, I also will admit that I have not seen Love Actually since it came out because I don't rewatch movies that I hate so viciously. Uh, so I, that that I seems somewhat understandable. 
um, but That's I called self-care, that I, I live <laughs> Exactly. And I live most of the year in a beautiful, blissful world where that movie doesn't exist. And then around this time of year, it pops up again. And That's right. A favorite that. holiday tradition here at Midday. We talk about love, actually. Well, Mo, thank you for that perspective. I appreciate it. It's unfortunate that, you know, you are a useless piece of drizzle. And, I, I you know, I can't do anything about that. But, no, you're, you are certainly more than entitled to your opinion, which evidently is somewhat widely held. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm well Mo's aware of right. that. And, and, you know, it is a smart move. Uh, not to rewatch movies that you didn't like. That's a very smart move, you know, because you just you just don't want to do. It. Let's go to John in Annapolis. Thanks for the call, Mo. John, uh, what's your favorite holiday movie to check out this time of year? Well, uh, it's kind of become a tradition in our family to watch Scrooge the Musical with Albert Finney. Oh, yeah. And it's been uh, it's been digitally restored, and uh, the music is is by the gentleman who wrote the music for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And um, I I couldn't I couldn't watch it with my kids when they were uh, younger, but now that they're, you know, uh, teenagers, it still scares the heck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Well, thank you. Appreciate the call. That's a great uh, holiday tradition. Uh, we have Laura, who's uh, weighing in on email. Just had to write to say that there really isn't any debate. Because the perfect holiday film is The Muppets Christmas Carol. There you go. Mm, that's good. Agreed. Yeah. Great. So good. And then we have Ronnie uh, weighing in on email. Ronnie, uh, evidently a uh, uh, an incredibly great human being. <laughs> Ronnie says, and I've never met Ronnie. You know, I'm just I'm making this uh, you know off the cuff uh, you know uh, assessment here. But he, uh, Ronnie says, love actually is a tradition for me. Every year I find a night to bake myself some cookies, heat up some hot chocolate, and put it on. I undoubtedly cry. I admit it's not everything I want it to be, but life isn't always what I want it to be. <laughs> Excellent parallel there, Ronnie. <laughs> and neither is Christmas itself. And so it's perfect. Jolly, cheesy, insufferable, and heartwarming. Just like Christmas. That's terrific, Ronnie. I couldn't agree more. I gladly suffer through Hugh Grant for the brilliance of Alan Rickman. There you go. Thank you, hey, Ronnie. Now, don't come for Hugh. Come that's, on. That's right. Come for Alan. <laughs> And, and uh, Susie says, thanks, Tom. I completely agree that Love Actually is a great movie. Thanks for fighting the good fight. I watch Love Actually every year, and I make friends and family watch and have converted quite a few to our side. Ooh, Stay okay. strong. There you Stay go. Stay strong. Ooh. That's what Susie says. So, I, But I like that. Susie has to, like, force her friends and family. <laughs> I That's mean, right. I love the way she. Put she that. could be like slipping them twenties. You know, we just sit down on the couch here. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Love Actually. Close your eyes if you want. You will cry. You will laugh. Yeah. You will cry. You will laugh and you will cry. <laughs> Angela, you're on the line from Baltimore. Angela, how you doing? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. So yes, I love to watch Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol oh. with my my mom. Um, we actually sing the song. Um, with Razzleberry dressing, it's the best. I love that version of the Christmas Carol. And I'm on team. I'm on team Tom when it comes to the um, to Elf. I was in the hospital for 37 days, um, being treated for organ. Um, uh-huh. I have a kidney and a pancreas transplant, and my I was yeah. going through rejection. And so I was I was 
it was actually on my never see list. I was like, I don't ever want to watch that ridiculous movie. And it was on the TV, and my mom and I sat there and cracked up. Uh, I great. <laughs> well, that's good. Now, yes, how are you nice. feeling now, Angela? Are you doing okay? I'm 17 years out, and I'm doing great, Tom. God bless. Aww. God bless. That's terrific. Yes. That's great. Well, thank you for the call, and continued good health in the new year. I appreciate it. Let's go to Thomasu, who's on the line from Ellicott City. How you doing? Hi, Tom. How are you? Doing fine. Happy holidays. So you want to weigh in on Love Happy Actually? Holidays. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love it. My wife loves it. So um, we that movie came out when we first started dating. Um, we started dating in 2004-ish, so I think that's when it came about. And uh, so every year we have a Christmas tradition. We just uh, we go in the basement. We uh, wrap the presents. Um, I, I'm terrible at wrapping presents, but my wife is really good, and I try to help her by cutting like tape and stuff. And we put in love actually, and and you know we watch it every year. Um, my only complaint is I can't watch it with the kids yet. Our our oldest is like just in high school, so maybe we can start watching it. But there are some scenes that I can't really uh, put my kids in <laughs> yeah. front of, but. We love the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's great. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had that tradition, and uh, good for you that uh, even though you, like me, can't wrap a present for nothing, uh, you, you mm -hmm. agree to help out. Uh, and it's great that you were dating in 1989 and still going strong. So that's terrific. That's fantastic. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about some of the stuff that's in theaters that we may want to check out, as well as a couple we may want to avoid. Jed Dietz is the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival, and Hornaday's book is called Talk pictures how to watch movies you can weigh in on love actually or anything else 410-662-8780 you can email us midday at wipr.org i'm tom hall stay with us this is 88.1 wipr just joined us. It's the December edition of Midday at the Movies. Anne Hornaday, the author of Talking Pictures, How to Watch Movies, and Jed Dietz, the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival, are with us. You can join us as well. 410-662-8780 or email midday at wipr.org. We are having our annual fight about the merits of love, actually. And so far, I'm winning, according to the voters. And, you know, winning is everything. So keep them, <laughs> keep them calls and letters coming. But you are welcome to join in and tell us the movies that mean a lot to you at this time of year in particular. Nick says, although my wife might vote for Elf as her Christmas classic, and I might vote for Die Hard as mine, <laughs> we both agree that the ideal Christmas classic for our family is White Christmas with oh. Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and a great cast. So that's Nick's uh, contribution. Christine says, the most underrated Christmas movie of all is The Ref. It's a terrible title, mm. but awesome performances by Dennis Leary, Kevin Spacey, and she says, I know, I know, Judy <laughs> Davis, and Christine Baranski, so oh, the ref. Yeah. And Susan says, I'm 76 years old. My favorite holiday movie is A Tearjerker, An Affair to Remember, 
with Deborah Kerr and Carrie Grant. You know, this is what you're talking about, Ann, these touchstone movies, you know, that mm-hmm. just mean a lot. Uh, Jen says, my two favorite holiday movies are also two of my favorite all-time movies. It's a Wonderful Life and Die Hard. That's the second vote for <laughs> Die Hard. I haven't seen Die Hard. And is Die Hard a holiday movie? Is there a Christmas version of Die Hard? <laughs> oh, well, no, it is a Christmas. I mean, it takes, it, it, there's a Christmas party going on. During, oh, I didn't you know, know that. And, and this is another major, alongside the Love Actually debate is the Die Hard debate of, of whether it's a legit Christmas movie or not. I see. Yeah. I, see. I haven't seen that That's one, a, so. It's a thing. Yeah. Okay. And Tia says, my two uh, favorite holiday flicks are Elf and Bad Santa. <laughs> you know, Billy uh, Bob Thorne and Chris is on the line in Annapolis. Chris, I think your holiday favorite holiday movie is also the one chosen by my daughter Miranda, who is a playwright and a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what do you think, Chris? What's your vote? Oh, I vote for The Family Stone every day. Ooh, yeah, um, love The Family Stone. Beautiful cast, complexity of family relationships. Um, there's grief because, you know, the mom is, has passed away. It's be- I think it's beautiful. And, um, mm. yeah, and then It's a Wonderful Life. Every time I watch it, it hits me in a different way every, every season. So Yeah, and that maybe is, you know, one of the, the aspects of, you know, great art that uh, the, when you revisit it, it still resonates in a, in a different way each time. So, Chris, do you watch The Family Stone every year? I mean, is that like a family tradition or a thing? Mm-hmm. I, I do, and I have um, adult children now, and some with littles. You know, I have three little grandchildren under the age of three, and um, yeah, we 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 love watching it together. Ah, so. that's great. Well, happy holidays and enjoy it this year. And uh, I think my daughter Miranda is going to be watching it with some of her buds as well. Um, so let's talk about a couple of movies that are currently in theaters. Uh, Anne, what's your take on Napoleon? Lots of buzz on this movie. Napoleon. What are we going to do about Napoleon? Napoleon is the Ridley Scott, the long-awaited Ridley Scott biopic about the eponymous military leader. And, you know, as per usual with Ridley Scott, some of the image making is just magnificent. Um, He kind of toggles between the key battles that Napoleon fought between those epic scenes and then these domestic scenes with Josephine, who's played by Vanessa Kirby. The biggest problem in this movie is Napoleon and and (laughs) the person playing him, which happens to be Joaquin Phoenix, who's a wonderful actor, but the kind of actor he is and the kind of performance that he gives just to me was a huge misfire and a misalignment because, you know, here's this you know, people keep saying you're the greatest leader on the, you know, in in the world, and he's not a leader. You know, Joaquin Phoenix has this very interior, quirky, recessive performance style that just never ever communicates what a, you know, what a great leader Napoleon was or was supposed to be. So I just found that an insurmountable obstacle in terms of this movie. All unfortunately, right. Jed, what's your take? I agree with what Anne's saying. I mean, I went into the movie not knowing very much about Napoleon, except, of course, we've all grown up hearing his name. And I was curious to see it. And I came out of the movie wondering why anybody wanted to make a movie about this guy. He seemed like a sort of ordinary military leader. And basically, I think what's great about him has been left out of the movie. And I don't think it's Joaquin's fault. I think it's Ridley Scott's fault. I mean, this guy 
not only took 130 historians with him to Egypt to protect the antiquities, to inform him about that. I mean, he fought war in a completely different way and so relevant as in today's discussions to with some humanity, great chaos and great lots of killing and all that sort of stuff. But his, his, what he brought in strategy and thought about defending your country land or taking over more land or whatever your, your war purpose was, um, is left out of this movie. You yeah. just don't see yeah. any of that. And he and he went. You see him go into exile a couple times. He declares himself emperor. There's this sort of amazing scene where he's like crowns himself and Josephine. But even the interpersonal stuff where she was uh, a, a guide. I mean, even her character, Vanessa Kirby, plays her in the movie, and she's a terrific actress. She was in The Crown playing Princess Margaret, and she's a really good actress. Um, but I, I'm like, why is she in the movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have no idea why she's so in the movie. So it's at the um, uh, Senator and uh, Harbor East here in Baltimore. Let's listen to a clip of the Paul Giamatti movie, The Holdovers. Oh, People are talking about Paul Giamatti being nominated for an uh, Oscar on this one. I can tell by your faces that many of you are shocked at the outcome. I, on the other hand, am not, because I have had the misfortune of teaching you this semester, and even with my ocular limitations, I witness firsthand your glazed, uncomprehending expressions. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. No, it's... Uh, I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. I'm supposed to go to Cornell. Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. So this is a kind of a holiday movie. It is. Because uh, they're stuck in this prep school over the holidays. Uh, and what's your take? I think, uh, I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm going to. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm a big fan of this movie. This reunites the director, Alexander Payne, with Paul Giamatti. And, of course, they last worked together in Sideways. And... Um, Payne didn't write this. This is a script by David Hemmingson, but it is completely in his wheelhouse. Um, he kind of commissioned it. He had already, he had received a spec script from Hemmingson for a series that was based at a prep school. And Alexander went back to him and said, you know, I've wanted to do this. He had this kind of concept for a teacher staying over winter break and kind of bonding with this troubled student um, and and the result is this really delightful movie lovely performance by Giamatti but he's it's a three-hander and Div Divine Joy Randolph plays the cook of the school who's also holding over the winter break and then the student in question is played by this brand new breakout star named Dominic Sessa who Payne discovered at Deerfield Academy one of the places where they filmed the uh, the movie and they were not finding the the right actor for this role and they finally just went to the drama clubs in the schools where they were filming and lo and behold they found this young man who is really terrific and it's just a you know it's a throw you know he filmed it in a very 70s style he says he wanted to he's always wanted to make 70s movies in a way he's always been making 70s movies and this is one that really looks like a 70s movie it's set in 1970 and it just has that grain and look and texture and and oral atmosphere of a 70s movie and i just thought it was terrific yeah talk about a star is born we got a couple of other yeah. uh listeners weighing in on love actually linda says it's the best 
The scene where Emma Thompson realizes her husband didn't buy the bracelet for her is amazing. Mm. She quietly and with dignity goes into the bedroom, presses her hands on the bedspread, and says nothing. It's all yeah. in her eyes. I agree. She should have been nominated for an Academy Award for that scene alone. So good for yeah. Linda. Clearly an enlightened listener. Uh, <laughs> email from Barbara says, I'm not sure if Love actually is a great Christmas movie. I just love Hugh Grant. So there's, you know, so Hugh's got yeah. one detractor and one big fan. Jay from Columbia says, my two movies for the holidays are Scrooge with Bill Murray and Gremlins. The first one, <laughs> the first Gremlins. Mm. And John from Perry Hall says about Love Actually, my wife and I watch this movie every year, me to make fun of it, and she because she genuinely loves it. So the question is, gentle listeners, can this marriage be saved? <laughs> you know? And I hope it can. Well, happy holidays to everybody for that. So, uh, Jed, I want to ask you about two screenings, just two. It's not hanging out. They're at right. the Senator uh, of a movie called The Sweet East. What's that about? Well, it's a brand new movie uh, made by a really good cinematographer who's worked a lot in indie film, Sean Price Williams. This is his first gig is directing. And Nick Pinkerton, who is a writer um, who has been here a couple of times covering things, uh, you know, for the film festival, for various, uh, the Wall Street Journal and various publications. And they've collaborated on a movie that I haven't seen yet, but we're, we're getting, and they will be at the two screenings, along with Eric Hatch, and um, they're... Uh, it's going to be at the Senator at seven o'clock tomorrow night and four o'clock on Saturday. Um, and I, you know, I think it's going to be a rollicking movie. I read an interview with Sean Price Williams and, and Nick Pinkerton talking about this being a punk rock movie for MAGA fans. What, what that might mean, I have no yeah. idea. So I think, but, but these guys are really terrific artists and i think you're you're it's something you ought to put on your list uh and i want to ask you about a new uh version of the color purple we have a little clip of that uh this is not the oprah winfrey one this is the other one you know if you ain't gonna laugh you need to sell your funny bone (laughs) i was married to a man i didn't love whatever i say go He took my sister away from me. Even if we have to part, you and me must have one heart. How come you so nice? Don't know. Maybe you too nice. You seem like trouble. I come here out of respect. But if there ain't nothing to get, that show ain't nothing to give. The color purple, and it's at the Senator and the Charles here in Baltimore. Uh, is this a musical? Do I understand that right? Yes, this is the adaptation of the of the Broadway musical, um, which was written. the The, the book was written by Marsha, the great Marsha Norman, um, and this has been directed by Blitz Baza uh, and it stars some of the actors from the original production. Fantasia Barino plays Celie, the lead character. Um, and um, Danielle Brooks plays Sophia in a really strong supporting performance. Taraji P. Henson, Coleman Domingo, an amazing cast. I mean, this is a really big emotional musical. And I think um, for people who 
hate me speaking of you know love actually if if people don't love that kind of outsized melodramatic larger than life emotion that usually you know that you often find in musicals they might be put off by the sheer kind of um grandiosity of it but if this is your jam it is it is really gratifying i mean the talent on display is just fantastic and i think blitz does a really lovely job in terms of his direction um, and it just it culminates and builds into an incredibly powerful emotional experience. Mm. Uh, a couple more uh, folks weighing in on Love Actually. Garland says, I'm sorry that Love Actually is a terrible movie, but I can uh, <laughs> I consider that my wife and I have a tradition of watching Scrooged with Bill Murray and Krampus, the silliest horror comedy with an amazing cast. Mm. George says, Home for the Holidays is my favorite. Oh. With Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., and a host of other great actors, it's hilarious and poignant. The last scene is a real nostal- nostalgic heart tugger, and it was filmed in Baltimore. Totally in Baltimore. Yep. Very good. Yay. So, Jed, how about this movie that's only on Apple TV called May, December? Uh, Natalie Portman, uh, Charles Melton, Chris Tenzis. Yeah, so from a very terrific independent uh, director named Todd Haynes, who's been working now for a long time. He's made some really wonderful movies. Carol um, is is one of the more recent ones. He started with a movie that was never allowed to be released because of rights issues called The Karen Carpenter Story, which is an ex- sort of a famous film inside the film community if you can get ever hold of a copy of that very worth seeing i'll never forget being in the sundance theater when one of his movies poison was first seen it was one of the most incredible movie going experiences i've ever seen this has two great stars one of which julianne moore he's worked with four or five times natalie portman for the first time and it's based on a true story of a woman uh, who had had a sexual encounter with a young boy, 13-year-old boy, went to jail, got pregnant. They eventually fell in love and got married. And this is later in their life with three kids and the the the, the hangover of that issue, which made tabloid, was sensational. And it is based on, it is not a true story, but it is based on a true story. Um and I think it works. I mean, I'm, you know, Todd Haynes, like every artist, you know, sometimes things really work well and some things don't. This one this is a young actress trying to insert herself for for her professional reasons into their, into their lives. And, of course, that ends up having consequences she couldn't possibly mm-hmm. have expected. Right. So I think it's an interesting movie. Right. May, December, you can catch that on Apple TV. And so, Anne, we got a couple minutes left here. I want to ask you about Maestro, the mm-hmm. biopic about Leonard Bernstein. I had the great honor of working with Mr. Bernstein uh, back in the 80s. And it was an amazing, life-changing experience. This is Bradley Cooper's second movie, the, A Star is Born, was his first one. A um, lot of buzz about this one for not only Bradley Cooper, but also Carrie Mulligan, who plays Felicia, his yes. wife. What's your take uh, in our last minute and a half here? Really impressive. And, and you know, in case people were wondering about Bradley Cooper being in like a dilettante or, you know, a typical actor who, quote unquote, wants to direct, he is a director. I mean, he the, the opening sequence of this movie alone is worth it. I think he does a terrific job playing Bernstein. I will leave it to you, Tom, to tell me 
how it feels as you, you know somebody who has known him but you do feel like you get to know this man really intimately it's not a soup to nuts biopic it's not a wikipedia entry um but i think that's its strength and of course carrie mulligan as felicia is just gangbusters i mean it's just a it's a beautifully directed very thoughtful film and um and, right. and very just sweeping and exciting to watch yeah maestro it's in theaters now it's supposed to be on netflix i think on the 20th of december so opens here tomorrow coming up I mean, it opens here yeah uh again and that one's at the senator theater right here in uh baltimore so Anne, thank you so much happy holidays and we will see you in the new year same to you thank you and jed deets thank you sir always good to see you a lot of fun being here. Thanks, Tom. Merry yeah. Christmas. Thank you. Uh, Talking Pictures, How to Watch Movies is Anne Hornaday's book. Jed Dietz, of course, the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival. And coming up, theater critic Jay Wynn Russick will join me with a review of Moulin Rouge. That's at the Hippodrome Theater. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. We leave with a little music from Love Actually. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Christmas is all around me, and so the feeling grows. It's written on the wind, it's everywhere I go. So if you really love Christmas, come on. You're tuned to Baltimore's NPR News Station, 881 WYPR.